And what people have found is that some of the best employees that we bring and offer have come from difficult backgrounds. Mm. You know, they're the ones that um, have that grit, that say, I'm willing to do whatever. You know, you give me a shot, I'm loyal, I'm there on time, and I'll do whatever's needed to make sure that I uh, make this company a better place. You've tuned in to Redemptive Revolution, and I'm your host, Nick Arnold. On a previous show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Andrew Marquez from Cross Purpose and learned about this great program that they have here. Today I'm back talking with Cordelia Randall, who is the Director of Strategic Partnerships for Cross Purpose. Cordelia, it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for so much. Thank you, Nick, for having me. Yeah. So can you kind of give me uh, uh, an explanation of your role with Cross Purpose and how you... Uh, My role? Yeah. <laughs> well. Our mission is a lot larger than we are capable of doing on our own. Perfect. And so one of the things we've realized that is we're trying to help people, especially formerly incarcerated, there are a lot of obstacles and barriers that they go through. We need to be able to partner with different employers, with different community organizations to make sure that we can give them the best experience possible and that we can get them into meaningful employment. And what are some of those, if you could kind of speak to some of the challenges that they do have getting into some of these, these career paths that you're trying to get them into? For example, one of the big ones I'm running into now, not only with our um, male formerly incarcerated, with our women, is the fact of them having a DV or domestic violence charge. It mm. could be a misdemeanor. But we'll have a lot of places that are willing to hire, even people with a record, but they'll say, but we don't want any violent felons. Mm. You know, it's really a catch-22 because here in the city and county of Denver, that if the police are called out, they're going to arrest both parties. So both parties could be charged for having an argument or a fight. That can remain on their record later on, and it keeps people out of injuries, industries such as medical, which we understand, such as legal, which we understood. Now it's even keeping them out of warehousing, okay. you know, out of advanced manufacturing. And we have to find a way around that. I have heard that a lot about, you know, oh, well, we want, you know, nonviolent offenders. Um, and and kind of at the core, that, that makes sense, right? We don't want people who have a history of violence. But then at the same time, if you look at some of the, you know, violence isn't all the same, right? Let's look at the statistics. I met with someone. That, um, Colorado has a new... Um platform that they are putting out to the public to deal holistically with domestic violence. One out of seven people, they say, have come across it at one time. The way they're looking at it now is that let's not look at people and say they're an abuser. Mm. Let's talk about some of the maybe um, abusive techniques they used in an argument or in, in order to be heard. And let's try to find healing for that so that people are free to come to the table to find some help versus then being, um, oh, look what you've done mm. and there's no cure for it. We don't teach conflict resolution in school yeah. and we have problems within our homes. So by partnering with other agencies that are making um, a safe passage for people that are involved in that, that helps us. That helps us to be a better um, holistic provider mm. for services around the people we support. Yeah, that's great. So your program, let's talk about it a little bit. What, it, what is it doing to help prepare uh, your clients to be successful 
stepping out of it? Oh, I think one of the most important parts of our program is the first four weeks, and we call it personal development. You know, the key thing, Nick, is how many people that are adults can say the last time that they've spent four weeks on looking at their self, mm. looking at their giftings and talents, having someone else call those things out, because a lot of times they're not very evident and visible to us, you know, refining their skills, going back and polishing up, you know, old, um, bits of math and algebra so that they can be more successful in their life. Actually looking at um, assessments and seeing what they're gifted in and thinking about different pathways that align with their passion and gifts already so that they can bring strength to the table. I think that is what's great. We bring people in that sometimes aren't feeling the best about themselves, but by the time they leave and they have a community around them of additional 60, 70 people saying, hurrah, hurrah, you can do this. It just, it just makes them, you think they're Olympic champions, you know, cause they feel empowered. Yeah. And a lot of, and that community piece is so important. Uh, so many people get into these situations because they're so isolated. It's the key. We're talking right now about, you know, like formerly incarcerated. Our program just isn't formally incarcerated. We've had people who have come into our program that have had minimal of just a GED to people who've come in here with a master's degree. Mm. But what they all have in common is usually they're missing something, a supportive element in their life for them to be the very best person they could be. That's great. You guys have a, do a lot to, to foster that community. Can you kind of tell me what some of those things are that you guys do? Well, we do a lot of um, interactions around games and community building. But I think the key piece that we provide is every um, Wednesday evening, we sit down to a meal together. Our leaders, our allies, our staff, we have um, childcare, we have a catered meal, and we just sit down in community and get to know one another better. We then sometimes break down into small facilitated groups where everybody has an equal voice, no matter where you've come from. Let's sit down together and talk about things, get to understand one another's minds and each other's views. That's powerful. That's really powerful and, and it makes me wonder for people who are coming in from outside the program, uh, maybe to support you guys or just trying to learn about what you're doing, learn about the people that you guys are bringing through this program, what are some of the things that they take away by sitting down with maybe people they had never considered sitting down with before? Oh, it's mind blowing, especially for people that come in and allies. Just last week, they went down to Fremont Prison and they did a tour. They thought they knew. They watch TV and media and they think they understand what it looks like. And when they get down there and they see the isolation, they see what they have to go through. It has a different perspective. Now, one of the beauties of our program is we're very complex. We're very complex as far as racially and culturally. And so we'll ask um, people coming into program, what are some of the questions you would like to ask? Mm -hmm. We had a group that said, we just want to know more about um, you know, um, racial relationships, marriage, everything else. We had about a group of five or six, you know, couples that came together and people could ask them questions, intimate questions that you like, you know, I just was wondering, you know, that gives insight. So it's, it's like this expert, um, experiential, um, learning process that people can come in and ask those things that make them go, well, I was thinking, can you validate, you know, bring truth to my understanding mm. and that's coming up close and personal. And that's the only way you really get to know people in their lives. Yeah, for sure. 
And, and that's what I love about what you, you know, your, your guys' position in the community because not only you're bringing people and helping restore them, but you're, you're building bridges out into the community yes. and trying to break down those barriers. What are some of those barriers that you find? Oh, one of the barriers that I've been finding is meaningful employment, especially for a formerly incarcerated. I don't want their only options to be warehousing or you know advanced manufacturing, which is, you know, glorified, wonderful factory work, which we need. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I want them to actually have the potential to have um, a more meaningful career than working in a forklift. So because of partnerships and because of people who hear about our program, such as, you know, um, Cummings um, Mechanical, they allow us to come and meet and say, you know what? We, we train people here. We train them as automotive technicians. Our automotive technicians can start at 40,000 and go up to 100,000. Yeah. You know, we are willing to look at and, and partner with you to see about giving experiences to your people. Another company, Lynx, is, is doing the same thing for us. They're looking at people and say, hey, we train for AV technicians. They can make up to $23 an hour. That's a lot different than driving a forklift at 14. Right. And what people have found is that some of the best employees that we bring and offer have come from difficult backgrounds. Mm. You know, they're the ones that um, have that grit, that say, I'm willing to do whatever. You know, you give me a shot, I'm loyal, I'm there on time, and I'll do whatever's needed to make sure that I um, make this company a better place. What gives them that grit? Like, why are they so desperate to, to do so well? In because they come face to face with their own um, failures or their sense of poverty. They're in a better place than most people because it's been forced upon them. Mm. And they said, I know that I might have wasted a lot of time because of nonsense, mm -hmm. but I really want to make an impact on my future. And I may not have um, as many years ahead as I have behind, but I tell you what, I'm going to be in this race to win. Yeah. Definitely. Now let's talk about the, the companies that you're partnering with and the industries that you're partnering with. Um, one of the things I hear a lot is that they can't find enough people who have the training and the skills for the, the jobs that they have. Oh, that's a good one. So the big buzzword in workforce now is um, actually having soft skills development for the employees, mm. because what a lot of employers are finding, they're finding that um, once they've trained their workforce, they sometimes are just lacking in the soft skills piece of knowing how to interact professionally, how to dress professionally, how to show up on time, how to not misuse sick time. And so they're hiring companies to come in there and basically um, retune or give a tune-up to their employees. Yeah. When someone comes through our program, they've already navigated that. You know, they come out stellar knowing all those um, pieces. We prepare our um, leaders so that when they go on that job, they usually, we've gotten um, the word back that they are the best performing. Mm. They know how to show up on time and they know what the expectations are to be on a workplace. They know how to do conflict resolution. They know how to ask for um, assistance when needed. They know how to try to get additional training so they can be successful. Those seems like, uh, you know, skills, like you said, they're often overlooked. It's like, oh, well, you need to know the, the knowledge and have the right training for the job. but. So, you know, I mean, I think anybody in any workplace can, can testify that those kind of skills make all the difference in 
what you know it's like working with a certain person well people used to think that it was just common sense i come from an era when certain things you know they seemed like common sense common sense has changed over the years you know especially with dress patterns and what's acceptable in the workplace you know um that is no longer common sense mm. to everyone and to all generations so by having and offering training in that it kind of just allows people to land at what's the best practices you know that i should follow when i go into to um, a professional job placement such as in legal or medical mm -hmm. versus going into something, say, maybe in advanced manufacturing. There's a whole different norm. And so that's what we do. We help inform people on the norms and expectations before they get there. So how do you cultivate these relationships with your partners in the community? What does that look like? What it looks like to me is first collaboration. I'm big on collaboration. You know, you think that sometimes I would enter into these partnerships from the top, from the CEO. Mm -hmm. Usually I enter it in for just a common worker there. For example, we have a robust, beautiful um, partnership with Denver Human Service in the city and county of Denver. You know, we do a lot of recruitment from them. You know, I remember sending email after email after email to get in. But what happened was the lady who sits at the counter recognized me, saw me all the time. She's the one who got me into those doors. We've been there for two years now. Mm. Now we're doing a win-win collaborative. They're reporting data for the same people that we serve to say that, hey, we got them in to cross purpose and they're receiving this training and they have increased their salary from minimum wage to $18 an hour. That's a win for both of us. Mm -hmm. So once those doors have been opened, people begin to hear about your good work and then they want to invite you to table to partner and to come in. So it does make it easier. But I have found still the most beneficial place is to actually get before the person that can give you direct access, not their boss, mm. but the person who's actually in that position. Yeah. And, and when, once you get to those people in the position that they actually can make those choices, what are some of the things, what are some of the questions and, and things that they're asking you about this program? Why do you want to come in here? What can you offer our leaders? You know, some of them are very protective, you know, you know, why should we allow you to come in? So I've spent sometimes an hour and a half going through, showing them some of our videos, you know, bringing in leaders to introduce to them personally. And the biggest I guess the greatest thing is that they end up being our raving fans. Mm. They're the ones that begin to spread the word better than we ever could. And you talk about how we make those partnerships. They're the ones who tell us, I want you to meet such and such and such. Because, mm. you know, um, we love the work you're doing. How can they be beneficial? We now have people coming in from a Denver and city and county from the Office of Economic Development teaching customer service classes. You know, that's a win for all of us. And that happened just by word of mouth by someone who was a raving fan. Mm -hmm. So they're opening up um, doors for us all over the city that we couldn't do on our own. So would you say like in your initial conversations, there's a lot of hesitation and even maybe fear of what some of these you know, leaders coming through your program are like or yes. their backgrounds? Yes, there is a lot of fear. But fear is removed by proximity. Mm. And when we bring a story up close and personal and you get to know someone or feel that you know them, that you've experienced them, that you hear the kindness in their voice, that you see how they shake your hand, the eye contact they give you, you, um, you begin to let some of that fall off, all these things you thought. You know, you get to know a real person. And that is what our program has done. That's why we have been able to cross 
over and have people want to take our employees in because they get to see them up close and personal. Mm -hmm. They're no longer, they're not a number or an ex-offender. And you have to understand that in the context of our program, we have people that might have um, incarceration problems sitting in the same room with people that might have owned their own business at one time or gotten a master's degree. They don't know who's who unless someone tells their story. Yeah. And I think that's the piece that's powerful. They get to know somebody just for what they bring to the table at that moment, mm. not what their past was. Yeah, and I think that's so powerful to see. Um, I was just sitting down with somebody last week and he had incarceration in his past and now he's a small business owner and, and you would, you know, you sit down with him, you'd never know. Mm -mm. I mean, you'd never know unless maybe you saw a tattoo or something. You, you know? know what's phenomenal? Some of the most giving people in our program that go the extra mile are the ones that have had a record. Mm. They're the ones that come in early and make coffee in the morning. They're the ones that go and pick up all the trash. They're the ones that will give you the thank yous first and write you a, th a, a, a note of gratitude. They're the ones that if they see um, one of the other leaders come and not have lunch, that will share their lunch. Mm. You know, that is the beauty, you know, of, um, a powerful relationship and it, it, it I don't know it just like cracks the shell of people that might even been hardened to say wow they're kinder to um, the other people in the classroom than I am maybe I can step my game up a little mm. bit maybe I can serve better yeah and I love that I mean I think that's like you said just so powerful to have people with these backgrounds breaking down those barriers themselves just because of who they are and, and, and showing that it's not just like the TV shows and the movies that we, we see portrayals. Well, you know, one thing I've come to realize that the majority of the people that um, have had incarcerations or problems, if you were to look at their prior, the first 18 years of their life, they're usually the people that sometimes were victimized or had elements that were missing from them to have a proper upbringing um, you know, in the love and support system. So they acted out. Mm. Any of us put in those situations that early on could act out, but they own it, you know? And they're the ones now teaching others mm. how to act more appropriately. If someone's attitude needs a little shifting, commonly you'll see one of them pull someone aside, a younger person, say a younger male, and say, hey, what's going on here? You seem real angry. Let's talk about it. That's more powerful than any licensed counselor. Well, you think about you know, people like that, these leaders coming into these companies and these industries, you, they have an eye for those things. They know what the signs are because they live through them. And, and that could be a powerful asset for some of these companies. Powerful asset. They've delved into places that the common person has no understanding of, and they've learned how to navigate some difficult um, systems. They've learned how to deal with conflict going around them all the time, but still retain um, their place. Like we have one leader says, but I won't move off my square. I've learned to stay on my square hmm. to get to my success. Hmm. That's great. So with what you guys, your vision is, what's kind of the next step for you guys? What are you, what are you trying to pursue? We want to change the world. Okay. We want All to right. eliminate little, little and abolish. Things. We want to eliminate and abolish 
you know, different forms of poverty, especially in our city. And one of the big keys being relational poverty, because that's what we find when people come to the program. Really, they don't have a good support system. Mm. Someone to, you know, root them on and make sure. Um, we want to make sure that we have meaningful pathways for people that have great talents, that are able to be good um, workers, you know, bosses, you know, um, supervisors. We want to remove the sky, the limit that's been placed upon people and let them go as far as the universe will allow. Um, we want to be able to bring people together close and a person that normally would not look at each other as friends. We want to remove some of the fencing that's around our homes that keeps people outside of our coming close and into our neighborhood, into our blocks. And so I think we're doing a good job at it. That is not the norm in our society, and that is not how people live, but we want to change that perception and how people live. Um, we want to change the dynamic of, say, the six degrees of separation, that even the most common man would have access to those in power. And that's what happens in our program. We've had um, gubernatorial, is that correct? Yeah. Candidates even come in. Okay. We have people from, um, you know, like city council, persons. We have some key people who come and just sit down and meet our people face to face. That's powerful. That's great. And what, like if you're talking about getting to those right people and, and sometimes that's just the, the receptionist or that's just mm -hmm. a, a worker, like who would you like to connect with next? I want to connect with someone who has the power in Denver, city and county to change the hours for the working poor. I'm passionate about being able to change it so that we have people sometimes that come into our program making 10, even $15 an hour, but they have four kids that are still dependent on resources such as food stamps mm. or such as childcare, which is huge. Yeah. But they miss out, um, they get sanctioned, because they cannot go in to take care of the clerical pieces that need to take place to, con to continue to have those resources because they only operate within this nine to five world. In this new millennium in which we live, that's ridiculous. There should be extended hours for people who work over 32 hours um, that receive supportive services so that they can utilize them without losing their job. And the other thing is, I want to change it. I've heard of different states that have done it, that how we deal with domestic violence. I don't want anyone to be hurt by domestic violence. But when someone is young and they have gotten into an argument, maybe they did slash someone's tires when they were 19, they broke up with them. They're 24 now. Their life has changed and different. There's been no new occurrences. They're on a different path. I don't want that to restrict them from having meaningful employment for the rest of their life where it could place their families in generational poverty. That's what I want. That's who I want to meet with. People that can make those changes. Yeah, that's great. I'm also curious too, and I don't want to get too, too political here, but yeah. I'm assuming that you guys work with both sides. Yes, we do. And I can imagine that, you know, it, it, it's beneficial for both sides to have people coming off of government services and, and, and becoming better taxpayers and, and better part of our, our economy. What are you finding from, you know, either the conservative side or the, uh, the, the We talk side? about the return on investment. Mm. 
the return on investment for the time and the money and the training that we put in them um, causes people to come off of services that a lot of times for one family could mean, you know, over a five year period of time, you know, up to $100,000 in services. Wow. That's a huge savings mm. by us investing 15000 to get 100000 back. You know, so those are the things we talk about. Then we come up and have some of those hard conversations. We've had people, leaders in the program before who have been um, hurt by immigration processes, have seen their parents, you know, return, but then they have an ally and a friend who is saying, I support, you know, the other side and having to have um, at one time even a mediation and come up close and share your experiences, your heart, why you feel that way and able to still leave as friends. That's powerful. Just imagine if that could happen in our whole nation. Mm-hmm. Well, we can come up close and have those um, conversations without using a media dialogue to support us, but really face to face with people and, and hear their stories and, and, and show who we really are. Mm-hmm. Do we really have mercy? Do we really have love? Do we really have support for humankind? It is harder to, uh, to demonize somebody who you've come into contact with, isn't it? Oh, very difficult. Yeah. Very difficult. Now, is this a unique program just for Denver? Like, how, how is this working around the country, getting programs like this started? All good things need to be replicated. And we have had um, phenomenal support outside City and County Denver. We have another program, a branch of us is going to be starting in Douglas County in June, you know, through a cooperative with Cherry Hills Community Church. But the beauty of it is we started um, a conference called Cultivate last year. And so we have people who are interested and have heard about our program. They come in to learn up close and personal to see the um, inner workings of the program and how we do it. So now, right now, we have a program established that's based on us in Nashville. We have a program established that's based on us in Memphis. We just had another Cultivate where we have people come from St. Louis, you know, from Chicago, from um, Oakland in the Bay Area. We had people come from Alabama. So there are a lot of um, different organizations that have heard about us to say, hey, we believe in your model. You have to understand we've only been in existence um, formally since 2012. So we've had some wonderful growth. And, you know, I thank God that we've been very successful in what we do. People are looking at that. They're starting to um, come and see and try to replicate it. And we're open handed. We want to see the world change. That's great. So if uh, you're in a community that doesn't have a program like this, uh, I want you to contact Cordelia because she yes, can hook we you can up. Help, <laughs> we can help you establish it, you know, and we do. I'm not just saying that. Some places will say, oh, yeah, we'll write a letter of support. No, we'll let you come in close and personal, see the curriculum we use, you know, um, follow us around, meet some of the leaders. I mean, you'll be prepared. It's like taking it out of a box and going and setting up office. That's great. That's great. Well, I love what you guys do. Thank you so much for taking some time for the show today. It was just so great to have you on. Nick, I appreciate you and what you're doing. Thank you. Definitely, you want to check out the great work that Cross Purpose is doing. You want to go to crosspurpose.org, connect with Cordelia, you can connect with the other leaders here. They're, they can point you in the right direction, or you can come in and just really be in proximity with some of these leaders that they have here. 
And if you're in the Denver area and can use some untapped talent for your business, you definitely want to connect with them because they can get you some top-notch talent. Uh, connect with me as well. You can join me on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for Redemptive Revolution or you can visit my website, redemptiverevolution.com. We have a lot of great information there. I really appreciate you tuning in today and hope that you can join us next time. Thanks.